the still method invites you to ask questions and to reflect on what you're doing and how you could improve without telling you what to do kind of from within you get to decide what you want to do, which is part of why it was like, I got to go on the show with the magic within because it really ties in well. So the S stands for set your sights, just sit, think about where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What do you believe your money should be doing? What do you value? And you know, that you want your money to, to be toward. What's up my soul sister. Welcome to the magic within podcast. My name's Katrina Lelly, and I'm a transformation coach obsessed with guiding women to unlock their power within so they live an aligned life of passion, purpose, and abundance. I've been where you're at, doing all the things and feeling like nothing is working. And I'm here to help you learn how to live that aligned life of passion, purpose, and abundance. I've spent years investing in programs, coaches, books, and other tools in covering my own blocks, challenging my beliefs, growing and stretching myself to live my most authentic life that is true to who I am. There is incredible power in our experiences, and by sharing our stories with one another, we help each other along this journey called life. This is a space where you will hear inspiring and motivating stories from other guests and tools to help you get from where you are now to who you want to be in this life. You get two doses of magic each week to fill up your cup and start living a life that is aligned with your highest self. We are not meant to do this life alone, and we all have the magic within us to live this beautiful life that's true to who we are. I'm here to help you begin to unlock that power and start stepping in to the amazing woman that you are. Let's do this. episode of the magic within podcast thank you so much for being here uh what a beautiful way to kick off your week with the magic of this guest today who i am really just looking forward to the conversation and i think it's going to be important conversation for us especially as women so i'm excited to introduce to you amanda neely who is a small business and financial professional She founded and ran Overflow Coffee Bar L3C from 2008 through 2018. Now she shares her experiential knowledge through podcasting and through developing personalized financial strategies for individuals and couples and profitability strategies for businesses. Her goal is to work with people to take charge of their cash flow, leverage their assets, and increase their profitability I cannot talk today in ways that would make their grandma proud. I love this. I love the mission. I love this concept of grandma's wealth wisdom. Where did that come from? Yeah. Thank, thank you so much for having me. And I'm really excited to share this. So I, I never really knew my grandma. Um, one, one of them passed away before I was born. The other one passed away when I was five. But my dad was kind of of that generation. He was actually 56 years old and I was born. So, right. Like, can you imagine? And so he was more like grandpa kind of age. And as I've looked at how those 
folks who were children during the great depression or maybe young adults during the great depression and what they did with their money. There's so many awesome things that we can learn being young adults in a time when we've just finished, you know, the great recession, we're struggling because wages aren't keeping up with productivity. We're struggling through student loan debt. A lot of what they did to get through their own struggles are so applicable to what we have today. So we thought, let's pay some homage to our ancestors, the people that have come before the amazing things they've learned. call it grandma's wealth wisdom, but let's also talk about like, well, how does it apply today? What can we take from them? Cause we're not going to use any dial up phones. We're going to use our cell phones, right? What does that look like with modern technologies and things like that? Yeah, I, that is so cool. And I love the concept completely and your mission. And I think this really truly is such an important conversation when you and I talked before, like just, I think we have this idea that it's, it's so hard, especially because as prices are raising and wages are not raising, or there are a lot of women who are still trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives, or maybe they're stay at home moms, or they don't make as much and you're living paycheck to paycheck. Like the thought of, can I actually like get out of this hamster wheel seems impossible. And so I love that you're spreading this message. Yeah. And it totally is possible. And it's actually amazing when people start to realize the, the small things they can do that really add up, um, whether, you know, when we had a coffee shop, like you read in our bio, it was like the choosing what kind of coffee you buy makes a difference for coffee farmers around the world can make a difference in your community. Really the bridge there is what you do with your money can make a huge difference, not only for the economy, for, you know, uh, supporting, you know, people and giving them a living wage, but also for our health and our stress levels. And let's start there and let's make sure we're doing good by us and the rest of the world at the same time. Yeah. A thousand, a thousand percent. So before we get too far more into this conversation, tell us a little bit more about Amanda. Like my favorite question is what did you, when you were a little girl, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, there were so many things. I remember uh, my like favorite thing I learned that. So I grew up in Ohio and I learned that the most presidents of the United States had come from the state of Ohio. And I was like, well, if we're going to have a female president, she might come from the state of Ohio. So that's what I'm going to do. And I, that's, that's what I told my parents. I wanted to be president and I thought it was totally possible. Then I slowly learned like, eh, maybe not so much. Um, I, I actually like convinced my mom to subscribe me to archaeology magazine. I love studying history and what can we learn from the past? And then um, I also found a gift in talking and teaching people. And I thought, well, maybe if I can't be president, I could be the speechwriter for the president, get to like lean a little bit of history, bring that into the speeches, but also create a new future and cat, you know, uh, vision cast and stuff like that. And it, it just, you know, kind of those little bit pits of, little bits of those different pieces of those career paths that I thought I totally see them in what I'm doing now. Uh, I never, like my parents never worked as a financial professional. I never thought I would be one. I didn't even know that was a career path back then. But when I look back to what I thought I would be when I grew up, I can see these little bits of what I do now. 
Yeah. Oh, that's so much fun. Uh, you, you shot really high and I love it. And you're like, okay, if it's not the president, then I'm still going to be around. And this is what I'm going to, I love it. And I've noticed that there is always a theme when I ask my guests, these questions, like there is a theme that somehow what we wanted to be still is being played out in a way. It just looks a little different. And it's so fun to kind of like dive into that question. So what was it like for you? Like, growing up in what were your parents like wealth minded were there or did they did you get the stories handed down to you about you know working really hard and like all of the stories like money doesn't grow on trees what was it like for you that to kind of just give us a background picture to kind of lead us to where you're at now yeah my so when I was born my parents were on public assistance my dad couldn't get a job again he was 56 had been laid off hard time finding employment. My mom was in her thirties. There's a pretty big age gap. So she actually decided to go back to college in her thirties and be able to provide for the family. So that was like my, my big lesson, right. Is, you know, you can go do things. You can be a strong woman. You can provide for your family. And she spent a lot of her career. She actually ended up working at that college that she went back to working with other older returning students and helping them see like that they could do some, you know, fulfill their dreams, no matter what age, which also taught me I could fulfill my dreams, no matter where I was starting from. And so she, that was great, but they always were still kind of paycheck to paycheck. Um, but there were little things that they did. My dad was a hard worker. He basically was retired because he couldn't find a job. Um, actually 50% of retirees are forced into retirement just simply because they get laid off and they can't find something or they're taking care of a loved one, right? Not because they chose retirement. That's what he was living, which taught me can't count on your job. Yeah. Um, but he still did things like he took a house that we bought when I was five or six and he took it from like $35,000 purchase, he refinished the basement. He put his blood, sweat and tears into it and ended up selling it for 70 some thousand by the time I, you know, they were empty nesters and I had gone to college, right? That kind of growing, um, by hard work and putting forth your efforts that way was really indispensable. And then they just were frugal. Like I didn't, I didn't miss for anything, even though when it came to filling out the fast fund applying for college, I realized they don't even make what tuition costs for like, and, but I n- wouldn't have known that yeah. had I not been get it, gathering those details to fill out the FAFSA um, and request financial aid. And so that has really translated to me, like you can live a good life without having to have a lot of wealth. And actually the way I define wealth, it's not about how much you have. It's about how far you've come and how you feel. Do you feel wealthy? I now in my thirties, I have a higher net worth than my parents ever did. I consider myself very wealthy. I'm no, you know, millionaire yet even, right. I haven't hit that uh, segment, but I'd. I feel really amazing and I get to live an amazing life. And sure, I still cook my own food, right? I still get a used vehicle because those things aren't that important to me, right? Or like, um, you know, the status symbols that other folks have, which we might come back to what that looks, how like we can embrace that from within a little bit more too. Yeah, I, I think that is so important. That definition right there is so gold because we're trained to chase after the dollars and the more that we have, the better off we are. And I've seen it time and time again, 
where women go out and they be really successful and they're like standing there going, okay, this is great, but I can't, I don't celebrate myself. I don't feel very good. Like there's something still missing. And it's really like that wealth of how you feel and how far you've come recognizing all of that. Yes, the money is great. It affords us choices and choices are very beautiful and awesome. Like, I think I would be the same way as you. Like, I don't need the fancy new car. I don't need the fancy new thing. I'd rather go do experiences. I'd rather Mm -hmm. have experiences and then be able to pass down to my children. So I love that so, so much. Yeah. And so if I can jump to like, yeah, definitely. Um, how people might embrace this. So are you familiar with Marie Kondo, the art of tidying up? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. The Con Marie method. Yep. So she, for those that might not be familiar, she goes into people's homes. She has them, you know, go through segments of their homes or different sections and they hold things in their hands They see how it makes them feel. And then if it brings them joy, they find a place to put it in their home. If it doesn't bring them joy, they think about how they could donate, recycle, you know, whatever that might be. And what I like to do is invite folks to do that with their financial life. Mm. And you could do that with your expenses, pull up your latest credit card statement and look at each item on there. And you can't really hold it in your hand, but you can hold it in your body. You can see how does this really make me feel? And sure, your electric bill might not make you feel joy at first, but when you think about, well, what did that electric bill do for me, right? The, I could turn on the lights when I woke up. It, I have air conditioning in the summer, so I'm not sweating when I'm sitting on my couch. You know, I could, you know what, those kind of things like, um, and, but then something else, you might be like, well, actually that caused some stress well, how could I transform that to make it more joyful, cut it out of my life, make a small change or make a big change, right? We're not, we're not trees, right? We can move, we can make those changes. And so I invite folks to do that with their expenses, maybe also with the financial products they have in their life, their retirement savings, a brokerage account, their savings account, and just kind of see how they feel when they kind of hold that thing in mind and in their hearts and then kind of start from there with, well, this didn't bring me joy. Why? What about it? And what could I change to move it closer to joy? And who do I need to help me make that change? I think this is brilliant because we wouldn't think about doing this because our, we're, we think about, well, I've got to have this or, you know, the kids really like this or like, what are those things? And especially how often do we Uh, the term is not coming to me, but how often do we just buy things without like thinking about what's going on or put them on subscription and we forget about that subscription that's going through. And it's probably one that we don't usually really use anymore or subscription that truly doesn't bring us joy, but we're just like too lazy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) too Mm -hmm. lazy to turn it off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or what most folks do when they sit down to finally make a budget or finally rein in so they can break the paycheck to paycheck cycle is they're only thinking about expenses and what they could cut. And they will cut some of the things that actually bring them lots of joy. And I'm like, no, no, no. Right. Like let's flip that script. Let's think about what does bring you joy and what doesn't. And let's try to cut some of those things out that don't bring you joy. So um, maybe an example, um, for me, I'm not a clothes person. I, I'm just like, I could wear the same thing every day. You know, give me a hoodie and jeans and I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my clothes budget's not that big and I'm okay with that. 
but I love coffee. I need that latte from a nice (laughs) coffee shop on the regular, not every day, but at least once a week. So that's reflected in my budget. And as it comes from knowing what I value and what I want for myself, that gives me permission then to make those shifts and not feel like I have to, you know, buy the latest and greatest attire all the time. Cause that's just not me. Whereas I got to get that latte on the regular. Yeah, that's so true. I love that, that concept and the way that you view that. How did you come to decide, come to be in this space, like to start teaching women this? And men, you teach women and men, but yeah, how did you start teaching people this? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I had actually, so we had our coffee shop, we were running it, we um, were loving it, but we had uh, the realization that if something didn't change, one disaster, one emergency could make us go over the cliff, right? We were literally on the edge. And as long as we were living on the edge, we couldn't take advantage of any opportunities to expand and grow the business either. So we started working with a certified financial planner. His name is Mark, and he really helped walk us back from that edge, create good savings habits, make sure that we weren't taking too much risk, but also still taking enough risk to that the business could grow and, you know, things like that. And he introduced us to some financial concepts that our grandparents use that have kind of gone out of fashion, but that fit really well with people that have their own business that we wouldn't have heard about if we had gone down the street to the local bank or investment firm. And it was really great. It actually, over the course of time from when we met him to when we sold, sold our business, we were able to get out of debt. Our business had a flood. We were able to survive that and show that this business was legit. So when we decided it wasn't the business for us anymore, we were having our first child. We wanted to look at something different for what we wanted to experience as a family. We um, started negotiations and ended up selling that business. And when we were thinking, well, what do we do next? I'm not going to go back to a cubicle and work for someone else. They're not going to want me to. I'm an entrepreneur now. And we thought about the difference that Mark and the concepts that he introduced to us made in our lives. And at first we're like, no, 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 I'm not being a salesperson. I'm not, you know, going to tell people to buy this stock or do this thing. How could we do this in a way that's actually life-giving for us? And that's when my kind of teacher sharer kind of uh, person came out and having one-on-one conversations with folks, asking them questions, going deep with them. I found, I love that tremendously, um, in terms of helping them cash their own vision for their own personal financial future, and then planning, how are we going to get there? What are the steps we need to take? And then introducing some of these concepts that I know they're not going to learn at, you know, the, the places nearby them that are, you know, kind of the mass media, mass marketing, what everybody talks about, they could do with their, their finances, but introducing to some of these other ideas that our grandparents used. Yeah. And I think what you just shared there is like how freaking awesome. And just you, you took, you, you got this, you got this information, you were taught how to start shifting things and you, you identified, okay, I know this is important to talk about, but I'm not going to do it this way. I know I don't want to do this this way. And so instead of like backing away from that, you're like, how can we do this? Mm-hmm. You got resourceful yourself. How can we start teaching this to people who I'm, in my opinion is a lot, the way you do it just from the little bit we've known each other is more relatable 
to the everyday regular person than somebody sitting in a fancy office in a tower somewhere trying to tell me what to do with my money when they may not know on the other side, like, Hey, I've cut out all the stuff that doesn't bring me joy. And guess what? There's still not enough. So Mm -hmm. now what do I do? Right. You know, like there's no way that person could relate to me. Right. Relatability and relationship is so important. And I feel you bring that to the table really well. Yeah. And I've come to know that only 20% of financial professionals are women. So as women, we have a different conversation when we're together. Sorry, men, but we do, we talk differently. We, we're, we feel more open when we're, you know, we just, we share our true, our truth in just a different way. And so I want women to know that they can have an ally who they can be themselves with and share that truth and be vulnerable with. It's not going to not understand, right? Because they're coming from a totally different perspective. And at the same time, knowing that I can hear the men's story and I can have empathy for people that maybe had a totally different upbringing than me and, you know, stuff like that. But knowing that I've been in the trenches and not, not to like blabber on here, but what I love to tell folks is I can't guarantee that you're ever going to be quote unquote rich, right? I can't guarantee I'm going to make you a millionaire, but if I can make sure that you're never worried about being poor, then I've done my job Wow. because I don't want, I want to want that for myself either. And I feel like I've set myself up that I, I don't have to worry about being homeless or, you know, uh, living on a fixed income in retirement. Right. And I don't want that for my clients either, whether they make a million dollars or not, that's more on them than me anyway. But if I can give them those safety nets and that security that they can sleep well at night, that's when I, that's my job. That literally brought some chills when you said that, because I know that so many women out there can identify with that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of our femininity. I feel like is we like going after the risk, taking the big leaps. There's a part of us that wants to do that, but there's probably a bigger part of us that wants the safety nets, the security, the ability to make sure we're provided for, because we know that the world's not going to do that for us anymore, that we have to do that for ourselves. Yeah. And within that, I think there's definitely that part of us that wants to know that we bring something to the table too. And we don't always have to turn to our partner to be like, Hey, I need some money. I'm at Mm -hmm. the grocery store. This is the true story. Like, and and he doesn't keep the money. It just happens, gets deposited in his account. And I was at the grocery store and thought, Oh crap, like my card's not working. So I, I got to call my husband just Mm -hmm. the way it's set up. And it's like, I want to be able to, you know, you want to be able to, as a woman to have that ability to be like, I've got this, I can do this too. I'm bringing something to the table too. Right. I love that. Yeah. No more, no more learned helplessness. No, no. And it is one of the most helpless feelings in the world when you're at the grocery stand or, you know, and you're ready to pay and it's not working. Yeah. And you feel like all eyes are on you. Right. Yeah. Now just imagine I work with a lot of widows. Mm. And their husband always managed the money, chose their investments. They have no clue what his plan was, what he was going to do. And I never want a woman to be in that situation. So even when a man wants to work with me, I'm like, 
and he has a wife, he has a significant other, someone he shares financial decisions with, or could be impacted if something happens to him. I say, they have to be there. I'm not going to meet with you if they're not there. And I want to hear their perspective. I want them to know what we're doing, what it means for them and who to call if something happens to you at the minimum, because that's not only going to help them when they're widows, but it's going to help them when they're in the grocery store or when, you know, when they're sitting down, maybe they finally get offered a 401k and they're trying to decide, do I take the match or do I contribute above the match? What am I going to do? They already know how to think through those things and they're empowered to think for themselves. Mm, Yes. I love that. So, so, so much. Now you talk about something called the still method. Talk, share about that. Yeah. So what I invite folks to do before they meet with me, before they, you know, call up whoever their financial advisor is, is to go through this still method framework. And it's an acronym. Um, Most people might be familiar with things like the baby steps, right? Where you're told exactly what to do. The still method invites you to ask questions and to reflect on what you're doing and how you could improve without telling you what to do. Kind of from within, you get to decide what you want to do, which is part of why I was like, I got to go on this show with the magic thing because it really ties in well. So the S stands for set your sights. Just sit, think about where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What do you believe your money should be doing? What do you value? And, you know, that you want your money to, to be toward and dream big, dream small, however you want to just dream a little bit, um, set your sights. Where are you going? And then the T is track your in and out. What's actually come into your life. What's gone out of your life, kind of seeing the cash flow. for some people, this might look like budgeting for others. It might just be looking at a bank account statement and see noticing what's there. Right. Then the I is inspect your progress. Well, has my in and out gotten me closer to where I want to go or not, right? And how am I doing? No judgment here, just noticing, right? Am I getting closer to where where I've set my sights or am I getting further away? What's happening? And then um, the first L is to look for the 1% adjustment. What's the small change that I could make that's actually going to help my in or my out get closer to my where I want to go or my savings or my debts get closer to where I want to go. If we're looking at more of like the progress side of things. So you've got your set, your sides, track your in and out, inspect your progress, look for the 1% adjustment. And then the last L is live deliberately, actually go do it, you know, make the phone call, um, uh, cut the subscription, ask for the raise, you know, whatever it is, try it out. See if you can make that one person adjustment a reality, And then come back two weeks later, a month later, however often you want to do this and continue it again. And what we have is a still method playbook where it has questions you would ask for each one of these letters that if you're by yourself, right, you're doing these kind of money conversations on your own, you can journal or meditate on the questions. If you're doing this with a spouse or maybe a parent or a kid, you can ask these questions, discuss them maybe over a nice meal or a bowl of ice cream or a nice latte or something to to actually have productive conversations around money that stem from questions. How would you answer this question? Well, how would you answer that question? And, oh, I love this about how you answered it, but I'm not sure about this part. Can you tell me more? Right. And then it just creates a different way when you're starting from questions rather than from stress or from um, 
uh, pointing fingers, judgment, that kind of thing. I love this method because it brings in such a, a simple, simple way to do this. And it open it gets you thinking and opens up your mind in ways you probably wouldn't normally. I mean, in the past, my when my husband and I, we did the whole baby step thing and it worked for a while and then we got off track for a while. Mm-hmm. And, but those conversations, we hated talking about money together. And it was more like, well, what are you going to do differently? Well, what do you, what do we need to let go of? Like, mm-hmm. oh, we, oh, I guess we better give this up. Like it was, it was harsh and it was not easy and it was frustrating and that resistance And from what you share, it's like, this brings in, it opens conversations. There's no judgment. We're taking a look. We're looking at what's coming up and then we get to decide what to do. And then we're going to come back and reevaluate. Did that work? Did that not work? Okay. Mm -hmm. What else can we do? And it's little, like it's that 1%. It's not, we need to all of a sudden raise our income 10% this month. Yep. Yeah. And it can be like, what I love to do is when I've set my sights and it's like, well, I'd love to have more time together, really like financial freedom. Like one of the questions we have in there is what does financial freedom mean to you? Well, it's time freedom that we can actually just be a couple together. Right. And if that's where you've set your sights, by the time you get to the look for the one person adjustment, you're like, you know, we have been eating out a lot lately. What if we cooked one meal a week together? where we're both like cooking together. And then that's tied with we're to have time freedom to spend together and you can make it a fun thing. It's not, we need to cut eating out and somebody needs to cook more. It's like, <laughs> well, no, like how, how could we make an adjustment that's actually going to get us closer to what financial freedom means to us. And that, that does that. It may not mean cutting your Netflix subscription because that's how you're spending time together and that's okay, right? Yeah. And it could be the things that you're doing separately, right? That might be, or um, or the things that get in the way of time you have together, um, stuff like that. It, um, there's a lot of room for creativity when you're saying, well, how do we move closer to where we want to go? Which I think is so, so important because we can put ourselves in a box and right. cut off the creativity of, what could this look like rather than, because I know when we're in that space of like feeling like this is hard, this isn't going to work. Oh my God, I'm going to have to give something up that I want, don't want to give up. Like that creativity gets cut off and those ideas don't flow in as well. And so it sounds like it like opens you up to what else is possible. And when you open yourself up, you'd be amazed at what comes through. Yep. Yep. I tell people all the time, if all you do of the still method is the S you just dream, you set your sights. And especially if you have a significant other and you're doing that with them, you're going to be head and shoulders above what most people do who never even talk about money. Yeah. But if you can like dream, well, if what does financial freedom really mean to you? And you just sit and listen and you dig into that and then you get the reciprocation. Well, what does it mean to you? And then you dig into that. Most couples never have that conversation. And I think that's a great place to start from. And even if you do nothing else, you'll probably change your behavior because you had that conversation. Yeah, I think so too. I want to shift a little bit um, because as a woman in the financial space, you know what it's like to start your own business. Mm -hmm. You've been through, you've started more than one business and what would you say to the woman who is looking to start her own business, whether I'm sure it's probably different, whether you're going to do a brick and mortar or if you're in an online space, but what are some tips you can give to those women? Because we're told 
You need to go invest in yourself. You need to go hire coaches. You need to go hire people to do it. Like all of these things. Mm -hmm. What's been your, what have, what have you seen to actually work and what's smart to do? Yeah. I've actually got three things. I'll try to keep them fast. (laughs) You're good. Um, The first one is um, I, there are so many times when you're starting a new endeavor that it's going to be too easy to quit and give up. And I, I recommend what worked for us, what, which was to spend the time getting the clarity that, you know, that, you know, that, you know, that you have to do this thing. It's part of your destiny or your purpose that you you're called to this and that you can't give up once you get going. And we did like a 40 day fast. We took it really seriously. And that was like, even after writing a business plan before we actually like made any major moves, we made sure hundred percent and we got to come back to those more spiritual, you know, connections, that spiritual purpose over and over and over again, when it would have been too easy to throw in the towel. Um, and that can, that doesn't have to be anything you pay for, right? It can yeah. even save you money if you're doing something like a faster, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the second one is as much as possible, never do anything alone. Now this is, might be easier if you're doing a brick and mortar, like our first uh, business where we needed to go, you know, pick up coffee beans or, you know, that kind of thing. We just invite folks to come with us. We, you know, there was one time when there was a little bit of uh, demolition that we needed to do in the space when we were building it out. And we just invited folks come do the demo with us. We'll buy you pizza afterward. It'll be more fun if we're doing it together. And that entrepreneurship is so lonely, Mm -hmm. but the more you can involve other folks, whether it's your kids, your significant other, your best friend, um, not with like any specific, like, well, if you help me, then I'll give you equity or anything like that. Just because it's more fun to do things together. Right. And you buy them a cold beer, you know, whatever afterward, it's totally fun. Yeah. And then the third one is, um, we, the hard, the lesson we learned the hard way, which was paying more attention to the numbers and the money and making sure that you're getting paid from your business all the time. Even from that first dollar you make, you're taking 1% and you're paying yourself. Even if you turn around the next month and put it back into the business, building that habit of making sure that you're getting paid for the risk that you're taking and the effort that you're putting into your business is well worth it. And no matter where your business goes, it's going to pay dividends for uh, many years to come. Mm. Those are so, so key, I think. And getting clarity. Yes, we can waste a lot of our time, effort and money on believing that we need somebody on the outside or something on the outside to help us get our that clarity. And I know that we like my, you get excited, you know, you get excited about starting your own business and that's fabulous. It's, you don't always have to have like the clearest of clarity, but to start, but having that clarity where you're so passionate, you know, you can't do that, not do this. Like you shared, it will create so much more ease. It'll help you keep the fire burning Mm-hmm. It'll just help you keep moving forward and you're not going to want to give up because a lot of business owners, they give up in that first two to five years. Yep. A lot of them do. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Cause it, like you said, it's an, it's a lonely world. It's hard. It's not, this is not work for the faint of heart, but it's absolutely possible. And then 
Don't do anything alone. I love that so, so much. Finding your friends, finding your community, enrolling your family in the dream to support you. And it doesn't have to look like, oh, I need to pay to be in this community. There's a lot of free communities out there. I'm sure that if you shared your passion for your business and what you want to do with your friends and family, the majority of them are going to want to help in some way. What can I do? Can I just share a post? Can I come help you demo something? Can I, what can I do? You know, and having that with that. And I, I love the pay attention to the numbers and especially paying yourself. Uh, Cause we don't do this. We don't do this to not get paid. You know, we don't do this to not get paid. And I love that habit building of paying yourself first because it just create, it starts that traction. It creates that energy. It's like, this is what I do. And it's going to continue to pay you even more and paying attention to your numbers. You know, there are things that you might get told to invest in that you don't need to invest in right away. Maybe, maybe somebody who's been there, who teaches others how to go where you want to go, make sure you're really aligned with that person, invest in them so they can help you. Mm-hmm. Um, but pay attention to those numbers, pay yourself. Those are brilliant. I love those so much. Thanks. And I, and I, 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 yeah, I, to all of that. Yes. <laughs> Thank <laughs> from you. my own experience, from my own experience. I love yeah. that Great. so, so much. So along those lines, when you're starting your business and you're going through the motions, what, where do you think the next leap is for somebody? Yeah, this is, this is like, yeah, I've been there a lot where it's like, okay, the business is good. It's stable, but what does it look like to scale, to make this bigger, to impact the world, you know, make that change I'm making in the world in a bigger way. And there's a lot of different ways you can go. A lot of the folks out there talk about scaling up, right? You, instead of, you know, um, selling a thousand widgets, you sell a hundred thousand of them. And what does that look like? Or, you know, going from 10 clients to, um, 10 hundred clients or your 10,000 clients, um, and automating things and all those kind of things. What I, I was invited by this professor that I met when we had a coffee shop to think more about scaling deep. Yes. Where you look at who's the community around you who are your current clients and what could you do to build that community more? Mm. So let's use the coffee shop example, rather than starting five different coffee shops across Chicago, where we were, what if we took our coffee shop and we, we thought, what do our customers need? Maybe they need an ice cream shop and we open an ice cream shop in the same neighborhood. That's a very different way to scale, right? Um, and now, you know, like if somebody, and maybe they're a life coach and they're doing, uh, you know, coaching, they're doing one-on-one, uh, things when they realize people are really lonely, they need more connection. Well, I, let me add an online community or group coaching package, or, you know, something like that to continue, um, serving the same community, the same group, but in a new way. And I think a lot of people don't consider those ideas. But when you look at some of the businesses that we love, they started with a core offering, they stuck to their guns, they perfected it. And then they added a different offering. It wasn't that they, you know, went to a different country or, you know, different. um, And that's okay. That's another way to scale. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. And going deeper is so important because once you create that core community, quantity is not always better. Right. It just isn't. How many accounts do we see online? Like on Instagram, they have 200,000 plus followers, but they're broke as a joke because they're not actually creating the quality in what they're providing and they're not creating the quality in the community and going deeper. But once you have those, those people in your pocket and they're, and they're loving what you do, every time you put something out, they're going to buy in every time you build a new shop or do something different, they're going to buy in. They're going to keep coming back just for the community and because of who you are. Yeah. Um, the other way it can look is you have people that are buying a $5 product for you and you say, well, what's the $50 product I could make yeah. that builds on top of it? Going from selling a latte to selling them an espresso machine. Yeah. What's the equivalent of that in your uh, life or, or your business? Yeah. yeah. I love that so, so much. Uh, there is like so much gold in this, in this episode. I know we went a couple of different ways, but I was like, as we were talking, I'm like, I'm feeling really called to like dive into this a little bit too. And there's so much goodness here. Is there anything else on your heart you want to share before we go? Well, this has been such an honor that I, you've asked really great questions. You've gotten me to share the big highlights that I would share always. The Maybe the thing I'd want to underscore the most is I want to talk to women who they feel like whenever they do meet with a financial professional, that they're being told to do something that feels foreign to them. And they think that they're stupid or that they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what's best for them because this other idea is so contrary to our femininity that really the main financial story in the world today is a masculine story. No risk, no reward. You got to speculate to accumulate um, all the things. If we're going to, what I invite folks to consider and men that are listening, you get to invite this along with us is that maybe our world, maybe our finances would be better if we hear that feminine approach, that concern for more safety, more security, and we balance it, we bring both to the table. Two minds are better than one. Having multiple perspectives, maybe we, maybe the world would be a better place. Maybe our financial journeys would get us to freedom more quickly, or maybe more certainly, if we allowed space for all the voices to be heard in the room. And if your voice isn't being heard make sure that it is. And if you can't, then you're working with the wrong professional. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Like, okay. Underscore, underscore, underscore that like a thousand percent. I love that message so, so much. I am going to make sure I link up all of the things for Amanda. How, what, how can people work with you? I'm sure there's a several different ways, but how can they work with you? Yeah. The best way to get to know us and make sure you want to work with us is check out stillmethod.com and get our still method playbook, try it out, see how it feels for you. And then in some of the follow-ups for the playbook, you'll get an invitation to schedule a call with me. Uh, where we can talk about how that is for you and any st next steps we should take from there. I love it. Amanda, thank you so, so much for making the connection, for coming on the show. I think this topic is so important. And I know that I want to support the women who come and listen to this podcast in this, because I've seen this play out in my own life. 
and it's room for me to grow myself. So I learned as well. And it's just a conversation that needs to be heard and more often and a little more louder. So I'm glad that you were able to come on and share it here. Thank you for having me. That's been an honor and a privilege and let's keep the conversation going, whatever that looks like for folks and for you and I, um, uh, let, we need to have more conversations like this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I cannot wait. Ladies, I know you loved this episode, so share it with that person that needs to hear it. But most importantly, remember that your magic lies within you and it is there for your taking. much for listening and if you loved this episode and know of someone else who has a powerful story and are doing big things please pass them on to me it would mean the world to me if you helped me get this message out to as many listeners as I can so please if you liked what you heard it goes a long way to take 60 seconds leave me a five-star review and share this episode with a girlfriend Don't forget to tag me on social media. And if that's not your thing, shoot me a DM because I would like to personally thank you for doing so. We are not meant to do this life alone. And I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. Until next time.